podcast. This is Oliver Shujin, your host and a chief medical resident at the University of Connecticut. A quick disclaimer before we start. All opinions and views expressed in our podcast are entirely the responsibility of the authors and do not represent the opinions of anyone else in the Yukon Department of Medicine. The content presented is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. With that in mind, I would like to welcome you back to our ambulatory series. And today we're going to discuss skin and soft tissue infections. In majority of cases, skin and soft tissue infections are caused by the methicillin-resistant Staph aureus, or MRSA, methicillin-susceptible Staph aureus, or MSSA, group A strep, and other beta-hemolytic strep. Some of the skin and soft tissue infections are more likely to be caused by Staph aureus species, while others are more likely to be caused by strep species. So for skin infections that are purulent or abscess-forming, think of Staph aureus, either MSSA or MRSA. MSSA or MRSA cannot be differentiated clinically, so we have to rely on patients' risk factors to assess their chances of having MRSA versus MSSA. Some of the MRSA risk factors include living in a community with high MRSA prevalence, history of close contact with MRSA-infected individual, daycare attendance, skin trauma, limited access to healthcare, frequent exposure to antimicrobial agents, etc. Going back to our list now, so cellulitis is usually caused by group A strep or other beta-hemolytic strep, but it may also be caused by Staph aureus. Erysipelas is usually caused by beta-hemolytic strep. Lastly, ambitigo and folliculitis are usually caused by Staph aureus species, either MSSA or MRSA. Sometimes it's more complicated, and you should think of other organisms. If your patient had animal exposure or human or animal bites, the infection is more likely to be polymicrobial. Travel history to an endemic area may clue you to the diagnosis of Carinobacterium diphtheria. If your patient had significant water exposure, consider Aeromonas or Mycobacterium marinum. Traumatic lesions are more likely to result in polymicrobial infections and may include fungi. Lastly, if your patient has chronic medical conditions, expand your spectrum to include pseudomonas, especially in neutropenic patients. Physical exam plays an important role in assessing skin and soft tissue infections. First of all, note general appearance of the patient and look for any systemic signs such as fever, hypotension, tachycardia, and the extent of the infection. Taking note of that upfront helps expedite treatment in a patient who is developing a severe skin and soft tissue infection and may need IV antibiotics or inpatient care. With that out of the way, now we have to examine the infection itself more closely. Here's what some of the infections we discussed may look like. Empatigo is a superficial infection and usually manifests with crust and progression of lesions from papules to vesicles and pustules. Folliculitis is also superficial but involves hair follicles. Furuncle or boil is when infection of the hair follicle extends through the dermis into the subcutaneous tissue where a small abscess forms. A cluster of furuncles is called carbuncle. Erysipelas is an infection of the upper dermis and superficial lymphatics 
and usually has a clearly demarcated margin. Cellulitis, on the other hand, is a deeper infection involving deeper dermis and sub-Q, and as a result has a less clear of a margin. Necrotizing soft tissue infections, such as necrotizing fasciitis, cause a significant tissue destruction and discoloration and is life-threatening, which is why it is important they are caught as early as possible. Pyomyositis is a purulent infection of a skeletal muscle that arises from hematogenous spread and frequently causes abscesses. Gram stain, culture, and susceptibility testing is preferred for purulent and abscess-forming skin and soft tissue infections, ideally before antibiotics are started. The results can guide antimicrobial therapy. Blood culture is not routinely recommended as part of skin and soft tissue infection workup unless patient is developing or presenting with systemic signs and symptoms. Let's now move on to treatment. First off, look for any features that may warrant specific management considerations such as toxic shock syndrome, necrotizing fasciitis, deep infection, compartment syndrome, wound or injury, environmental exposure, involvement of face, neck, hand, perineum, or genitalia. Management of those special considerations is beyond the scope of our discussion for today, but it is important that you identify them and consult other medical services if needed. With special considerations out of the way, let's dive into the algorithm for management of skin and soft tissue infections. Is your patient presenting with severe sepsis, septic shock, or an immunocompromising condition? If yes, initiate broad-spectrum IV antibiotic therapy with vancomycin and cefepime or meropenem if patient is suspected to have an ESBL-positive organism. If there is no systemic toxicity, rapid progression of erythema, and patient is able to tolerate PO, and there is no indication for MRSA coverage, patient may be able to start it on a regimen that covers beta-hemolytic strep and MSSA, such as dicloxacillin, flocloxacillin, cephalexin, cefadroxyl, or Bactrim or lonezolid or clindamycin for patients with severe beta-lactam allergy. If, however, there are risk factors for MRSA, patient can be started on a regimen that covers MRSA and beta-hemolytic strep, such as trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole or Bactrim, or amoxicillin plus doxycycline or lonezolid or clindamycin. If patient is having systemic toxicity, rapid progression of erythema, and is unable to tolerate PO, plus there are concerns for MRSA and purulent drainage, initiate coverage for beta-hemolytic strep and MRSA with IV vancomycin. If concerns for MRSA are low, patient can be started on cefazolin, nafcicillin, oxacillin, flocloxacillin for coverage against beta-hemolytic strep and MSSA. If patient is presenting with abscess-forming skin and soft tissue infection without any systemic signs or hemodynamic instability, they would need incision and drainage followed by oral antibiotics. Keep in mind that clindamycin has been associated with C. diff colitis, so it needs to be used carefully, especially in patients with prior history of C. diff. And that concludes our discussion for this week. 
I hope this was a good overview of different types of skin and soft tissue infections and available management options. Stratifying patient's skin or soft tissue infection into purulent and abscess forming versus non-purulent, as well as mild, moderate, and severe, can help you appropriately triage their care. Lastly, remember the risk factors for MRSA and increase antibiotic coverage when your suspicion for MRSA is high. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you in our next episode.